This week on a lively experiment, the IGT gaming technology contract continues to play out at the Statehouse with another personal pitch from the governor to lawmakers. And the circus in Washington amid an impeachment inquiry whose message is getting through and whose is falling on deaf ears. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen-White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS. This week, we have a panel with decades of experience trying to craft messages for decision makers. Joining us with their insights, corporate communications consultant and former television news anchor Dave Lehman. Bill Lynch, the former chairman of the Rhode Island Democrat Party, and communications consultant Donna Perry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lively. Every day brings another bombshell revelation in the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. We'll get to that in a moment. First up, though, the, the State House continues to be swarmed by lobbyists and company officials on both sides of the discussion over whether IGT should get another 20-year contract to provide the state's gaming technology. This time, the Senate got their turn to ask questions. Donna, let me begin with you. This has been on the House. It's been on the Senate. I'm not sure we're going to see anything. Late last night, we're taping on a Friday, we hear that another company wants right. to get involved. So The Interlock company, Camelot. Um, my take on this is, you know, the governor now finds herself really at the center of what is this huge battle, and there's a lot of apparently old grudges and grievances in the uh, gambling technology industry. I mean, these are some of the bigger players that they're bringing in. Um, and I think that the web gets a little deeper with Twin River bringing in these two other partners. And there's some old history about that that company at one time was with the old G-Tech. Right. So I think you have a lot of rivalry at a pretty high level going on here. And um, I think she, you know, they're going to have to navigate that. I think it's kind of obvious that Twin River is trying to show, no, we have the gambling technology piece. We're not just a hospitality company, which she kind of labeled them as. So, um, it, it, I mean, look, it's a big, huge money contract. Um, they're all bringing, they're bringing in their big guns, and I think she's, she's going to, you know, they're going to have to really wade through this. Bill, any more co uh, companies join on since, uh, since Interlot? Is there, is <laughs> Maybe there since one? we went on the air. And you have a disclosure to make as you did I work before. for IGT. I've said that uh, before when I was on the program. And look, the governor is doing the right thing and standing up and owning this proposal, which, which she negotiated with her team and then with the, the House and the Senate leadership. And it's a good deal for Rhode Islanders. Um, you know, Donna's going to love to hear me say this, but Governor Kachiri was right, right? I mean, it's probably yeah, the first time I've ever said that on this program. <laughs> but it was Governor <laughs> Kachiri that, ne that negotiated with the uh, leadership in the House yeah. and the Senate the original contract that we're talking so much about. This proposal is better in a lot of ways than the original contract, and it's an extension of a partnership that has been a great partnership for the state of Rhode Island and its taxpayers. IGT has over a thousand employees, well-paid employees here. They have a call center located in Providence. They're a tremendous contributor to the local community in every way you can think of. And they've got a huge presence in downtown Providence. And the last thing we need is another big empty building sitting in downtown. 
And, and with all due respect to Twin River, Don is correct. The people leading the charge at Twin River and attacking with these misrepresentations, IGT, used to work for GTEC, which is now IGT. And, and the lawyer, I watched the Senate uh, last night in the hearings, the person presenting for Twin River, Twin River and saying how horrible IGT is was the guy that negotiated the deal the for GTEC and IGT and said it was the greatest deal for the state of Rhode Island. It all depends on writing your check, right? And, and so, you know, I, I just think that when this is said and done, I think the House and the Senate are doing the right thing, which is having a full vetting process. They're allowing Twin River to participate. They're, they have public input. Um, Bill Conley on the Senate side, likewise, doing a great job with airing everybody's opinions. And I think when all is said and done, people are going to see that it's going to be crucial that we keep IGT in place in Rhode Island, and it's a great deal for Rhode Islanders. Dave? The trouble that I have, uh, I mean, I, I'm really conflicted in the sense of I, I don't know who's right on this. Uh, I, I see the value of having an experienced company like IGT uh, continue on. Uh, they seem to know what they're doing. Uh, what really troubles me, though, this, you know, th they provide, this gambling mechanism provides $400 million a year in revenue to the state of Rhode Island, the third largest source of revenue for, for right. the state. This is a really big deal. So the reporter, ex-reporter in me, says, if this is so critical, so important, why would you drop this on the legislature literally the day before they, 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 they call it quits for the, for the session. If this is that important, why is it that people didn't know about this before? Why is it now getting this pressure cooker treatment when it is so important? When you're talking about a 20-year contract, I mean, 20-year contract in this day and age where information changes radically every two and a half years and, 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 uh, and technology is also doing that, why would you do this? I, I think it's unfair. Frankly, I think it's unfair to IGT because it puts them, I think, in a very precarious position because they've got to hire people like Bill and a, and a raft of other people Wait, to, go in there, <laughs> to go in there and really, really try to uh, well, force, I think the, governor, force I, the issue. I think she, she did it on purpose because she was trying to avoid the spectacle yeah, that we that now have, right? But she did that with the truck tolls. Uh, but I mean, she, uh, also it was done with, with our. She was trying our, our to avoid friend, the spectacle that you know. Uh, you know, uh, thirty-eight studios. Right. That was a last-minute drop. Right. What I'm saying is, with the adults in the room, with so much money uh, at stake here, and with the potential of, of giving a, giving away a twenty-year contract. To, to anybody, whether it's IGT or somebody else, this should have had a more thoughtful, more open, more transparent process. And the other, I'll add one other point. You talked a little bit about uh, people who have been interlocking and all that. I remember back in the, during the days of the energy crisis, for those of us who were, who were doing reporting back then, there was this term interlocking directorates, and that was a term without getting into it. Uh, board, people who are on one board supervising a company were also on another board that had relationships with, the co with this other company. In other words, there were conflicts of interest. The concern that I have is, you know, Twin Rivers and IGT sometimes do business, do not do they not? Absolutely. All right. So they've got relationships on one level. They've got relationships with some of these other partners as well. This whole thing, it's like, how do you, how do you try to figure out who's on first, who's on second? I, I think this, and then however, if it gets resolved to IGT, and they do seem to have, you know, the seasoning, and they have, they've served the contract well, the Rhode Island Lottery obviously wants them to keep it. I, I think, though, there's a larger issue for the state of Rhode Island because, okay, it goes to IGT. Twin River, ha like the, the casino business as a moneymaker industry, 
that landscape's changed Off quite 40%. a bit. Yeah, like Encore, on Rhode Island, Encore yeah. in Boston, when Boston got in the act, and I think that's a larger issue for the governor beyond this fight they're going to have. You know, they, there's just going to have to, Rhode Island has to take a larger long-term look that they maybe gambling is not going to, shouldn't just be their third source of a pile you of know, revenue. The only other issue I would add, though, is that you have to look at what we have now in Rhode Island, not what you're going to get promised. Right? Anybody who desperately wants a contract, as Twin River seems sure. to present itself now, they're promising everything. I mean, I'm waiting for them. Yeah, but to, Senator I'm waiting. Connolly also said about IGT, what I'm hearing from the governor and you and other people, not you specifically, I don't see that in the legislation. Mm -hmm. I don't see it firmed up in the legislation. So but IGT needs to do a little work on that. Well, but that's why they're going through this process. But my point with respect to people watching this is that when someone's promising you everything you ask for and more and making all kinds of promises, mm -hmm. that makes me a little bit leery, right? Twin River is owned by a hedge fund company in New Jersey. They're not a local company. Mm -hmm. And when I think of Twin River, I think we've, we're, we're getting into fall and the holidays and everybody likes to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And I think of Mr. Potter, you know, sitting <laughs> and, and, and watching the money come in. And, you know, there's no connection between these hedge fund managers and what they want. They want one thing out of Twin River, as much money as they can get. We have to understand that. Right. But that doesn't mean you can promise people everything they want. You know, I'm waiting for them to announce that if, if we get the contract, every single Rhode Islander will win a $1 million jackpot at least once a year. They I can mean, do the, the LNN, kind of $1,000 for everybody. Final point quickly. Yeah, final, yeah uh, here's, here's my question. Given the fact this is a 20-year contract, I don't know anybody who signs 20-year contracts these days. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's bad business, generally speaking. In this case, it may not be bad business. but. Why well, is it, it worked out? I think it's worked out pretty well. The only thing I would say about that is that in this in this business nationally, most of the contracts, and even Twin River and IGT don't disagree. Most of the contracts that you see are uh, fifteen years, ten years with five-year renewals, well, eighteen that, years. So that, that, that was a common point. practice. That was the point I was going to make. Couldn't there be an escape clause in there? What if IGT falls on hard times and can't meet its uh, its uh, its guide points, at their, its promise points? Well, I would feel a whole lot better if there was a a, 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 a ten, maybe ten years in where there would be an option to reconsider if there are uh, under certain circumstances. All right, so let's do this. Bill, you get back to IGT and tell them Dave would feel a lot better. So deliver that message directly. All right, let's stay with you. We have to move on. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, Bill, you had some words to say. Matt Brown, old, Matt Brown has resurfaced again, ran for governor, ran for Senate many years ago. He has put together a coalition, the Rhode Island Political uh, Co-op. Co-op, co yes, cooperative. I'm sorry, it lost my... Um, Donna refers to them as socialist Democrats. Well, well <laughs> so let's talk about, you had some choice words about this, because they, they're going to take on Mike McCaffrey, the, the Senate Majority Leader. They're talking about others. I heard you on uh, the radio the other day. Um, what is your thought about kind of the, pro the progressives kind of coming into the, the flank? Well, my first thought, and what I've said more than once, is that we've always had a progressive wing of the Democratic Party as long as I can remember. When I was the chair, we had a number of, of active, progressive Democrats. Murth York was our candidate for governor um, yeah. as a Democratic nominee. Times. But, but Murth clearly would, would identify, self-identify, and would be known as a progressive Democrat. This is, that's not new. So this particular case, and, and it, I found it a little odd, that you know Matt Brown, who 
had some issues when he ran uh, over 10 years ago and ended up dropping out of a race because of some fundraising issues. And he kind of disappeared, frankly, physically and in every way from Rhode Island. Suddenly, after 10 years, he's back and he runs against a sitting Democratic governor, Gina Raimondo, who is pretty progressive on a number of issues herself, and gets trounced. Uh, and now he cobbles together this little group of individuals, many of whom have run before mm -hmm. and not been successful, uh, which is fine. I mean, I run for office and lost. There's no problem with that. But to suddenly sort of announce that you're this new wing of the a progressive wing of the Democratic Party and you're going to take over the state house, it just doesn't fly with me. It, it's not accurate and it's not a fair representation. And by the way, it's also, I think, insulting to a number of good um, progressive office holders who are slugging away to do what's best for Rhode Island right now at the State House. But this is going on around the country, as yeah. you know, and um, obviously, all respect to a Mirth York or even, G you know, they're not progressive enough for what these people are talking about. You, you know that. And mm. I think what he's trying to do, um, he's trying to formalize the process of maybe ragtag progressive campaigns. He's formalizing it. He's creating this entity. I can understand that it, it looks like a threat to what has been the standard bearer centrist uh, Democratic Party and, and you know not so much to you you're not the chairman anymore but obviously they believe and they may be very wrong Bill but you know they believe that the climate is right with the rise of the AOC world and all that stuff to, to really shift um, Rhode Island to the far left I'm curious uh, we hear over the you know through the past few years the working uh, working Families Party and, you know, is a lot of outside money pushing some of this forward, and, and I don't know if we've seen a lot of reporting about that. Wait, Bill's not still the chairman of the party? Is that true? <laughs> Dave, we want to jump in? Uh, no, I, I guess uh, my thought uh, was with the progressives that uh, they, they were making a very strong stand when it came to selecting the speaker, and it seemed as though the 20 or 25 who were progressives and were raising all kinds of heck, uh, after the votes were in, they kind of disappeared a little bit. Uh, I, I, I sort of thought they lost this wave that they were trying during to create. During the session. Yeah, well, I think part of that was because the speaker let the abortion bill go forward, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And that quieted things, mm -hmm. and he let a couple other bills that I think politically was probably right, the right move. Now, the Senate, it was a whole different yeah. situation. Mm -hmm. But I think, but I agree with you. There was a lot of sound and fury at the beginning, and, and then didn't hear much afterwards. But also, part of that deal, I think there was a, a deal there that, you know, you give us the abortion and we'll go along with your budget because you needed the votes for the budget. Right. Look, the fact is we have progressives, I say we, I'm talking about the Democratic Party right now, serving, working hard we, in, within the party at the State House right now. And that's, you've got Senator Josh Miller on the Senate side, you've got Chris Blajewski on the House side. There wouldn't be a woman's right to choose legislation that we ended up with protecting women's right to choose in Rhode Island if it were not for Aaron Lynch Prada. And yet, here's this progressive group yeah. who is targeting her, her as yeah. one of the people that they, that they mm -hmm. want to defeat. So um, I, I, I just think it's an, it's an intentional effort by Matt Brown to stay viable, um, to run for office again, um, and it's not much more than that. And, and listen, everybody has a right to run. I think that's great. But I don't think it's a great idea to misrepresent and to sort of 
impugn everybody that's already up there working hard right now in order to advance your own cause. That's been my position. All right, we've got a bunch of local stuff to do, but I want to jump into this. It's what everybody's been talking about, the ever-evolving <laughs> impeachment inquiry. And what a great panel we have, because you have all been in the situation. Well, Dave and Donna, you've been on the news side. Bill, you've been dealing with media uh, much of your adult life. You've run for office. I'm curious as you, and Donna, you had brought this up uh, to me off, uh, off camera. What a great idea. The messaging is really, look, everybody's the substance and all that, the household handle that. But as I look at the messaging points, I've always said, you tune into one network and you tune into the other and you think, am I listening? To, am I watching the same show here? So, yeah, I mean, with a president like Trump, and we've never had a, a guy like this, I think 90% of how these next months unfold is really going to be about uh, the optics of the messaging, what he's saying, what Nancy Pelosi's saying, how the public is receiving that. We all know the public is, is not going to drown in the weeds of every detail. They just, mm -hmm. and that's half the issue, you know, and the Democrats, I think, have seen that and they have failed in these previous years because the public can't keep track of, oh, the subpoenas and, and you know, what does an inspector general do or not do and all this stuff. Who's doing a good job in your mind? So the way I look at it, what I have found striking and I give her credit, and I don't always agree with her, Nancy Pelosi's posturing and tone, the restraint she is showing, I think, is actually very effective. And if I was the National Democrats, and I would never give them advice, you know, I would use her as the face of this, not even like, you know, Schiff, who made a few kind of wise guy comments or whatever. She has been, I think, actually remarkable, and she's credible. And I think she reaches independence in the country and, and women who may have gone for him, but they are unsettled by some of this menacing language that he's gone to very quickly. Treason and what who's we did the whistleblower? We'll get the guy. You know, who's the guy? Like, I really mean that. And I'm not being, you know, reverse sexism. I think it's unsettling to anyone. As and a human and being. suburban women, let's be honest, when you talk politics, there's constituencies out there. And I think. That's the group that's up for grabs. I think her restraint has been very important to watch versus what we've seen is his anger and tirades and, and uh, Trump going on steroids now. Uh, I uh, fully agree with you with your evaluation yeah. of, uh, of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she has been formidable for Donald Trump because she has stood up to him. I think this is really a, a sexism thing with him. It, beats the hell out of him that this woman has been able to really corner him and do it in a very calm, cool way. So I, I credit her as you have. Yeah. I, also, I, I also credit Adam Schiff, the, who's leading one of, the, uh, one of the committees. He's articulate, he is smart, he, he uh, says things that I think are, are accurate, and he does it without venom. Uh, he was a little bit snarky the other day, but I think he was going to make a point, say, we're not fooling here. We're moving this tra train forward. I think he's been very measured. On the other side, Kevin McCarthy, uh, uh, one of the leaders, uh, re Republican yeah. leaders, uh, dropped the ball, wasn't prepared that for, 60 for, for minute that 60-minute interview. Minute interview. Really he, he didn't even, when Scott Pelley uh, read, read the quote, he wasn't even familiar with the quote. How in the world do you go on 60 minutes on something that, that, that yeah. Manny down, down at, at, at the local Bar knows that quote by heart because he so read it favor, and heard yeah. it. Uh, and and yeah. also, I would say that uh, that Rudy, Rudy Giuliani is is the biggest nightmare. Uh, that he and and Trump are are they are their own worst enemies. It's but just the president a, likes having Giuliani out there. I mean, I'm, you're probably thinking just wind him up and let him go, right? 
Well, Rudy Giuliani has become unhinged. I mean, that's that's the bottom he line. Used to he, be he's a, not. I thought he's he was not a pretty together Rudy. guy for years. I don't know what's going on with Rudy, but he's not yeah. the Rudy Giuliani of 25 or 30 years ago Absolutely. when he was serving. Uh, you as, know, a as a U.S. attorney, as yeah. a prosecutor, he's not the same person. It's almost someone, it's him in disguise. I don't know, but his his comments, his his statements are just uh, lack any credibility at all at this point. But of course, Donald Trump likes it because he defends him, and and, I, and I, I suppose I, yeah. that's that's a lot of what's happening. But and he's one also of the a reasons, good deflection. Yeah, and one of the reasons I think I saw that McCarthy interview was so bad is because. The, the Republicans, and, and Don is not going to advise the National Dems, and I'm not going to advise the National <laughs> Republicans, but one of the issues they're running into is that Trump's numbers within the party remain steady and high, mm -hmm. and it's very difficult for these elected officials, Republicans, to defend him, so they're trying to distance themselves, yeah. but also not turn against him, which is not that easy to do politically. And even the vice president has been in hiding until recently, uh, uh, Mike Pence, for that same reason. But eventually, um, there comes a time when people, and that was an example, was that interview, when you have to sort of, you know, say what you think, and it's getting very difficult to defend Donald Trump. You know, the Mueller whole report and investigation, and I said it on this program, was a different situation. It was 400-plus pages. It was hard that yeah, nobody's yeah, going to sit down, right. really, and go mm -hmm. through that. And it was hard to follow, I think, in yeah. a lot of ways. This is a very different situation. This is now a situation where you have clearly a sitting president dealing with a foreign leader and basically extorting that foreign leader to investigate people, Americans, here at home, political opponents, yeah. but Americans, and if they don't do his bidding and do an investigation to help him personally and politically, there was going to be a withholding of funds to that country. Whether it people, was on the phone call or not. <coughs> people right, can understand right, right. that, right? But, people but know what that what Don't you think the Senate... So this is where the impeachment inquiry yeah. will be so key. Because in order ultimately for... They may not be there now, but certain Senate Republicans, yeah. I think, want to hear more. Well, and if they hear more, that well, might turn the tide. The other person's tone and messaging, I was going to say, that I would really watch, and I thought it was interesting, was is obviously Mitch McConnell. I mean, Mitch McConnell is He's going, been very quiet, though. But he made a very baseline statement, and I think sometimes he's like telegraphing Trump a little bit. Be careful. He, he made, I thought, I thought his restrained statement was actually very interesting and curious from him, and he said about, whatever, four days ago, the news cycle is mushrooming into it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to follow. But he basically said, the reporters, you know, they've been chasing him for two days. And he said, look, the way this works is if there's the vote in the House, of course, we have to, we have to take it up and we will take it up in the Senate. Uh, that is the Senate rules. That is the procedure. And I think the thing about a guy like that and some of these old dogs in the Republicans in the Senate, you know, they've been around that town 30 to 40 years. Um, and I think, and again, he maybe not, but there could be a tipping point of will they go over the mountain fully for Trump? I don't know. because. I, I, and I thought that his restraint and he's telegraphing Team Trump and maybe Rudy, they all know what the rules are. He's saying, we I can only am, go so well, far. Well, he's Mitch McConnell and there's nothing bigger to a guy like that is his pride and ownership of I'm the top dog of the U.S. Senate. And I'm not going to violate the protocol of that. I think I think the element that may turn the tide for for Republicans and defecting if they do is going to be the fact that both Rudy Giuliani and President Trump Trump is cornered and he is acting 
I mean, he, he his, in, in my view, he has always been somewhat bizarre in the way he acts. That level of bizarreness has gone to hyper hyperspeed, and I think because he, he'll contradict himself in the same interview. Oh, right? what, but, but he's been doing that. But now he's doing it with with, with vulgarities, which is unpresidential. I think there are just a, a lot of people, and I, I guess uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband just wrote a, a thirty-page yeah. piece <laughs> right. uh, on 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 his psych- report on his psychological uh, uh, know, condition. Yeah. And, but to be honest with you, there's an argument to be made for that. He is acting not only unpresidential, he's acting almost in some cases in, inhuman. But I don't know if the public here, here's where I come Oh, I down. think the public sees but that. I think that's what's going to turn I the I would tide. watch for this. I would just watch for this in my own two cents opinion. They will throw anyone under the bus except the family. And the son-in-law is going to turn up on Rudy's text and he's going to turn up on a few of those calls. That Jared are, Kushner? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's been running around doing this sort of on his own. I, I think that had a lot to do with the first Secretary of State Tillerson jumping out of there and said, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I got this kid following me yeah. around. Touch I think ridiculous. he's going to show up on text and I'll just... When Rudy was showing his cell phone on camera on Fox News, well, you know, Rudy's an old New York street brawler just like Trump. And I think these guys are telegraphing each other, but he's saying, I've got everybody on this phone. And, and I think Rudy w- would go as far to say, don't throw me under the bus, Trump, either. I'm going to take you with you. Um, I got one more question to ask you, but I don't want to short anybody on outrages. So hopefully we'll get back to it and we'll go through outrages then. Bill, I've got a question for you. And if not, off here. Dave, you have, a, uh, you have an outrage this week, I, I trust. Uh, yes. Uh, or a kudo. I, I, actually, uh, I'm going to sacrifice an outrage for, for a kudo. Okay. Uh, that we, we witnessed a trial this week that ended with a Dallas police officer, mm-hmm. a woman, who was found guilty of murder for strangest story I think I've seen yeah. in a while, who went into her own apartment complex, went to the wrong floor, was in a, a room, a, an apartment she thought was her own, and shot a guy. This goes back a year or so. She was found uh, guilty uh, of murder, which surprised me. I figured they'd go to a manslaughter. Man right. uh, but she was found guilty. And the touching thing was at the end of the sentencing mm-hmm. phase, when she was given a 10-year ten, a prison term, the brother of the young man that she killed asked the judge when he was on the stand uh, making his statement if he could go over and give this woman who was going to be facing 10 years in prison a hug. It was one of the most touching moments I've seen in a long time and I think it has struck a chord with America and I think it's important not because of that case. I think it was important because it is a um, uh, I think uh, it's a, uh, a metaphorical example of how the, co- the country feels about the lack of civility in this country. What a great tone of forgiveness. And I think uh, there's a lesson here in politics, not just in crime. Bill, what do you have? I'm going to continue on the Trump discussion and just say that with respect to his language, right? He's, and I've said here before, his, his behavior, uh, the way he talks about women, minorities, I've... I've criticized many times, but even he took it, I think, and, and, and Dave alluded to it a few minutes ago, when he now, as the President of the United States, resorts to vulgarities and refers to a legitimate question and investigation as BS. Like, right. He said it. I don't know yeah. if Kim will get mad at me if I say it probably on here. In the state room. Oh, you've, so never, you've never used that word I've before. Never, well, my mother might watch this too. Not in so. public. But can you imagine, you know, an Abraham Lincoln, a Dwight Eisenhower, a George really? Bush, either of President yeah. Bush's, resorting and acting that way, never mind his behavior that yeah. Donna mentioned at the press conference, but his 
language. It's just so insulting. Donna, what do you have? Um, I'll just take it back local uh, just quickly um, if we were going to get to this, but I, I just see this ongoing disregard for taxpayer money by the mayor of the city of Providence, and I think this bike lane fiasco thing, <laughs> it may seem like a small thing, but you know, none of these are small things. Uh, and you know, he is on his personal mission, uh, he should be the head of the jump bike company, because that's really all he's interested in. Um, and they threw out this very misguided uh, bike lane thing on Eaton Street and that Elmhurst neighborhood, it, it appeared they really did not get to weigh in the way they should have. They throw it out, now a hundred, another six figures. You know, he throws it around like Monopoly money. And um, I just think it just, between the school fiasco, all these other things, he's just obsessed with that stuff. It's, it's just wrong, and he's a terrible steward for the city of Providence. All right, thanks, Bill. I didn't get to ask you the question. I'll have to do it off camera. <laughs> Keep everybody in suspense. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it next week because this is going to go on for a while, right? The impeachment. Folks, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your loyalty to this show. And Donna and Dave and Bill, always lively to get you three together. Join us back here next week. You never know what's going to happen over the next seven days, but we'll have it covered next week for you as a lively experiment continues. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.